Welcome in all of you who believe that there is no such thing as an NFL offseason. Have we had one hell of an offseason? And just when we thought that again that everything was over after the Tyree Kill trade, the Debo Samuel drama, the NFL brought more fire on draft night. The Lions traded back deeper into the first again after having the 32 overall pick. The Saints traded up to get their man, Chris Olave. The Jets smartly traded back into the first round as well to take Jermaine Johnson. The Titans traded away A.J. Brown straight up for basically Traylon Burks and took him with the 18th overall pick. Arizona traded out of the first round and traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown. So Baltimore seemingly we thought were going to take a wide receiver with that spot. However, they did not do that. They went a very Baltimore Ravens style type of drafting. We'll get into that another time. However, today we're talking quarterback landing spots for our rookies going into the 2022 NFL season. It is insane to even say that we are here. The 2022 season is approaching. It is May now. Yes, most of you are probably not even listening to this until the summer when this becomes more relevant for you and you fantasy players. Well, we finally got something right. Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh was our number one quarterback going into the draft just based on film and evaluation we knew that he was great at everything, but he wasn't amazing in any particular attribute. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He may not have the best rushing ability. However, on Sundays, he'll be able to make the throws because we saw him do it on Saturdays over the past three seasons in Pittsburgh. And the Jersey kid gets to stay at his alma mater, basically right across the street, the facilities are between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Panthers. So this is exciting. I, I think that this pick is going to be one that the Steelers are going to look back on and say, I'm glad we went and got our guy. This is a quarterback who can play for them for 10 years. I'm not exaggerating. I think that they're getting their franchise quarterback with this 20th overall pick. The kid gets to stay in town. The city already loves him. You can already get a feeling that the fans are going to be chanting Kenny Pickett by week six. Once Mitchell Trubisky throws like six interceptions in four games, they're going to be calling his name. However, that's not the way to do this. We have seen this time and time again. Quarterbacks being set up to fail because they're being put into the fire way too soon. This is not the NFL of yesteryear. You cannot throw your rookie quarterback into the den of wolves and expect him to make it out unscathed. Not in today's NFL. Maybe 15 years ago, you might be able to do that. Teams were a whole lot more patient with their rookie quarterbacks 10 to 15 years ago as opposed to now. Now, if you're not Burrow, if you're not Herbert, if you're not Mahomes, if you're not Deshaun Watson within the first three years, your replacement has already probably been drafted. I don't think Kenny Pickett has to worry about that. I really don't. The rest of this class does. 
The, the rest of this class has to worry about their team moving on because they really didn't invest anything more than a third-round pick besides Kenny Pickett. So, yeah, we're going to pound the drum on this. We're going to bang our fist on the table. It just made sense. If you watch all of these quarterbacks, the one that portrayed and displayed the most NFL-ready traits like accuracy, progression readings, being able to escape with the right amount of time. I think, personally, Kenny Pickett scrambled a little too much in college. Like, he's not the rusher that Willis and that Corral and that Ritter and Sam Howell are. Like, not at all. All of those dudes are better rushers and ball carriers than Kenny Pickett. Right? But that's not why the Pittsburgh Steelers took him as the number one quarterback at number 20. They took him for what he can do with his hands and with his arm. And yeah, no, I'm not worried about his eight and a half inch hands. Joe Burrow has nine inch hands. Homeboy just made it to the Super Bowl in two years with the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. Led the league in sacks and broke a new record for sacks allowed in the NFL playoffs. And Burrow still got it done. Kenny Pick is not Burrow. He's not Burrow. But what I'm saying is, is that rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, if their team believes in them and builds around them, it's not impossible for them to succeed, especially first-round quarterbacks. I love the landing spot. I think it's perfect. I think the, the story just writes itself, right? I, there's not much more to say. Kenny Pickett, the NFL-ready quarterback, gets to stay where his alma mater is, goes across the street. Instead of going into collegiate facilities at the University of Pittsburgh, he just goes right over to the other side of the, of the fence. And now he's going to be with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where I'm claiming he's going to be their next franchise quarterback. And they get lucky again. I feel like the Steelers, no matter how far back you go in history, they've always had their franchise quarterback. And it's really hard to go in and pick and say, hey, right here? Yeah, they, they didn't have a good quarterback. They've had a lineage of franchise quarterbacks. They get their new one this year. It's not until 54 picks later, almost two rounds later, that Desmond Ritter, the fastest rising quarterback out of anyone in this entire class, gets taken in the third round Second quarterback off the board to the Atlanta Falcons. It is, it's, it's not an amazing pick, but it's a solid pick for them to give the dual-threat quarterback a chance. This is a quarterback who led a Cincinnati team to the college football playoff, went 13-1. and Oh, yeah, and their only loss was against to Alabama. Did Ritter look terrible in that game? Yeah, he looked lost. That's my biggest concern is when he played the defenses that – are going to most likely resemble the defenses he plays in the NFL, he folded. And I think that NFL teams are somewhat holding that against him. Like, it's not like the Falcons are saying, Desmond, hey, yo, Des, you know, we believe in you, son. No, they passed on him twice. They passed on him in the first and second round. And then they said, okay, yeah, we'll settle. If we have to pick one... I guess we'll take Ritter. I think Ritter will have a chance. And the problem is, is that Atlanta was probably the worst landing spot for 
any of the quarterbacks. I don't care if it was Kenny Pickett. That would have been a bad landing spot for him too. There's no good foreseeable future for the Atlanta Falcons unless Ritter can turn this ship around. So that's the silver lining. You landed in a horrible spot, but can you be like some other quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, Baker, who land in really horrible spots and no, maybe you don't turn out to be, you know, a franchise quarterback, but do you turn it around for the fans and for the franchise? Do you give them a better outlook? That's the silver lining for Ritter. He has the chance to prove that he can at least be worthy of a second contract if he turns things around for the Atlanta Falcons. If you listen to the quarterback evaluation pod, you know how I feel about Ritter. He was our quarterback six going into this draft class. I already knew, I was already preparing that the NFL was going to like him more than I did. And according to JT O'Sullivan at the QB school, you know, accuracy is not one of those things where you're not really sure if you can fix that quickly. And not that that matters, right? He, Ritter is not playing to satisfy my needs or, or what I want to see out of him. You have to remember that these types of quarterbacks who have very specific schemes, like RPO, screen RPO, like Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, they are following the rules and regulations of the scheme that they're being asked to lead. And I took that into consideration while evaluating them. And Ritter was still far from my favorite, you know, competition level. Like, why are you struggling against teams in the AAC? Like, yeah, you won. But, you know, this is a Cincinnati team that had nine players drafted from. So we're going to really see who was carrying the Cincinnati team. I'm a little unsure that it was Desmond Ritter. Obviously, the Atlanta Falcons believe in him somewhat to make him the second quarterback off the board. I like it. I don't love it. Our quarterback, too, gets taken as the third quarterback off the board. Also in the third round to the Tennessee Titans, and they take Malik Willis out of Liberty. As I said on the quarterback eval pod, Malik was and will always be the most polarizing player in this entire draft, even more polarizing than Trayvon Walker. Because if I had to pick one quarterback out of this entire list who is ever going to win an MVP in their careers, it's Malik Willis. That's the type of upside. That's the type of ceiling that this young man has. And it still stays that way. You know, Ryan Tannehill came out and said that, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he doesn't need to mentor or guide him. It's true. I mean, Tannehill is a veteran quarterback who some would argue is in his prime. And now, like I said, for the rest of these quarterbacks, the teams did not invest heavily in them. They invested a day two, round three pick or later on these guys. But it's still going to be a competition. Tannehill, on the back of his mind, still has to worry about securing his job. Okay, the Tennessee Titans made it very clear that you got to be valuable to us if we're going to pay you, right? They just let a top five wide receiver walk, or they were going to let him walk, but they traded him instead. At least they got a first out of him. You know, people say that Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown. I don't see it that way. 
Uh, to me, if you're going to be more fair to Traylon Burks, like don't give him an A.J. Brown comparison. You're going to set yourself up for disappointment. There's not an A.J. Brown every class. There's not a Debo Samuel every class. I think it's more fair to call Traylon Burks more of a Nikhil Harry out of the slot, if I'm being frank. Back to Willis. Willis has most likely the strongest arm to throw the deepest ball besides Carson Strong and Bailey Zappi in this class. He has the best rushing ability out of anyone in this class. He might have the best throwing on the run technique out of anyone in this class. There's obvious concern for why Malik Willis was not taken until 66 picks after the first quarterback, Kenny Pickett, at 20th overall. I think the fact that Ritter, Willis, Corral, you know, these quarterbacks who a lot of analysts had going potentially in the first round, potentially in the top 10, right? When we're looking at Ritter and Willis, there was a lot of talk about them being taken potentially at top 10, maybe Ritter to Seattle, things of that nature. But maybe we need to go back to the drawing board in terms of evaluation because obviously the NFL just did not see it the same way. Matt Corral kind of invited himself to the NFL green room. They really didn't show him on TV at all, meaning that ESPN, ABC had no reason to show Matt Corral in the green room. Like They obviously knew something. Otherwise, they would have given him a little bit more love, some more TV time. It just didn't happen. Corral invited himself into the draft room and then wasn't picked until the end of the third. And he had been there since, you know, night one. So there's some cause for concern because a lot of us maybe thought that although we knew that the quarterback class wasn't deep, maybe we still had this misconception that even if it's not deep, the position itself is so valuable that you elevate it and push even the non-talented ones in the first round. It looks like that is not a process or a method or a logic that we should be using. We had a shallow class and the top four just barely make it into the first two days of the NFL draft. But focusing back on Malik And there's some news with Ryan Tannehill and his press conference that he had recently after the drafting of Malik Willis in the third round. He made it very clear. The Tennessee front office did not confront Ryan Tannehill about Malik being drafted. So they didn't keep him in the loop, right? It's a day two pick, third round. A lot of teams show you what they're planning on doing without telling you. And the teams show you what they're going to do with their actions, their transactions, free agency, the draft. These teams who didn't bet on one of these quarterbacks until day two, day three, what are they telling you? They're telling you that they don't necessarily believe in these guys as starters. They don't believe in these guys as potential franchise quarterbacks of their future. Otherwise, they'd pay the premium. Or, or, there's a very slim chance 
that the teams are realizing the quarterback market for undervalued quarterbacks or an undervalued quarterback class like this, and they all knew that they could wait. And maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers were the odd man out. Maybe Pittsburgh didn't get that memo. Tannehill also said in that press conference that he made it clear that he was not there to be Malik Willis's mentor, which is true. I don't blame the guy. You know, at my day job, someone brings in someone else to potentially be my replacement. Sure, yeah, I'll train him, tell him he's doing great, but it's not my prerogative. It's not my duty to make sure that he is to be better than me or to replace me unless, you know, my manager tells me that's what's going to happen. So why should Tannehill go out of his way to help out that quarterback take his job? Makes no sense. You wouldn't do it for your job. I know you wouldn't. Those are wages lost out. Tannehill also, just like Malik, has a family. Everybody wants to make sure their family's taken care of. Malik Willis has high upside. This could be a really great pick for the Titans. I didn't see Tennessee as a team who would be reaching for a quarterback in this class, or in this draft, rather, and they didn't but they got the highest ceiling quarterback in the third round. Any other draft, that's a win. That's a huge win. I don't think Willis sees the field this season. I really don't. I mean, this is a team that Tannehill and Derrick Henry, they just took them to the playoffs. This team is not that much different. This team is extremely similar to the team that went to the playoffs last year. So Tannehill, this is still his team. Malik has time to learn about this team, learn the offense, and explode from there. There is not a single team that I don't think Malik could fit into, except for like the obvious young franchise quarterbacks like Kansas City, the Bills, but I think everyone else who doesn't have that five-year plan for a quarterback could have landed anywhere and had a chance. And Malik has that chance in Nashville, I'm pulling for both of them. I mean, obviously, there can only be one starter. But with that pick, I think Tennessee is planning for the future or at least giving their future a chance. I like the pick. It blows my mind that he fell to the third round. Third and final quarterback taken on day two was Matt Corral, the kid out of Mississippi, who is probably the biggest competitor, one of the best interviews that we've seen at the NFL Draft. This is a confident, competitive kid. I could see him fighting hard even just for a backup spot. The good news for Corral is he's not fighting for a backup spot. I think Sam Darnold immediately has competition in that backfield starting this training camp. Do I think Corral is better as a passer than Sam Darnold? No. Do I think Matt Corral is more ready for the NFL defenses than Sam Darnold? No. Do I think that there's a chance that Corral over the next two to three years grows to be better than Sam Darnold? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Sam Darnold has peaked 
Sam Darnold hasn't had much of a chance with great weapons. But he's going to get a few games with CMC back. Hopefully, Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy for most of the year. And truthfully, Matt Corral should be wanting to stay on the sidelines until this whole mess in Carolina is gone. You know, I like Matt Rule. He was fine at Baylor. Turn it around from a two-win team to an 11-win team. But it's obviously not working at the NFL level, at least not for the Panthers. And then I think the worst thing that Matt Rule and that front office could have done was start this project from scratch, point at the quarterback of the New York Jets, and say, that's the guy we want to build with. Traded for him, gave him a decent contract, why? Like, why go out of your way, trade away draft capital for someone that you already saw was mediocre for two years? You already saw that his ceiling was limited. Like, you know Darnold can't move out of the pocket. There was some upside with his arm, absolutely. He, you know, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but Darnold's big thing coming out of USC was his accuracy, right? What is that even doing for the Panthers right now, the fact that he's accurate. Nothing. And did nothing for the Jets either. The silver lining for Matt Corral, even though being drafted on day three, and day three quarterbacks typically just don't make it, right? It's like rare. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Brady, like those are outliers. Tony Romo, these are outliers. These guys don't happen and fall into the lap and just immediately become a franchise quarterback. Dak Prescott had to go out and win and beat Tony Romo. And then Tony Romo had to get hurt. Like, so many things had to happen for that to happen. Matt Corral really doesn't need a whole lot to happen, and he doesn't need it to happen in a short amount of time. I think the Sam Darnold project, potentially the Matt Rule project, is going to be done by week 10 of this season. And that's perfect. Let Matt Corral go out, get some reps in. I think that could be good for him. Get a new head coach next season. Get a nice full draft next season. And you have a solid defense there in Carolina as well to back him up. Now, what they're going to do with DJ Moore and the rest of that passing offense, I'm not sure. Now, you could start fresh with Matt Corral. You could genuinely start fresh next year with Matt Corral. And if you're still a crappy team which the Panthers are probably going to be, you still get a top, what, six, eight pick next year? There'll be some quarterbacks there. And then you can let Matt Corral see if he can defend his spot against whoever they draft. There's going to be like probably five, six, I think there's potentially maybe even seven quarterbacks to be drafted next year. Now, it just depends on how many quarterback needy teams there's going to be telling you right now, there's probably six of them that are going to go in the first round next year. I don't love Matt Corral, the prospect, but I think the landing spot is interesting for him. He's our QB4 going into the class behind only Sam Howell, Malik Willis, and Kenny Pickett. Competitor, very hard runner, did what Ole Miss asked him to do very well. Didn't try to do too much afterwards, just SRPO. He knows how to run that RPO offense. 
you know, Matt Rule's more of a pro-style offense right now, so I, I know that doesn't necessarily fit. But I think next year, you know, the front office can go and get whatever head coach they want. And if they want to build around the day two, third-round quarterback, Matt Corral, they can. They believe in him that much. I don't. I still say take a quarterback next year, first round. Don't love the prospect of Matt Corral again, but I do like the landing spot. I think that's the silver lining for him. He's got a good shot. He's got a good shot to play some games at the end of this season and potentially start for Carolina next year. Just a couple more here. Big surprise at the end of the fourth round, New England Patriots take Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi. This is a five-year senior, played four years at Houston Baptist, transferred to Western Kentucky for, you know, that fifth-year eligibility, wanted to get some more recognition, and that he did. Bailey Zappi had records, even had five touchdowns and a loss against UTSA. That was their best competition they had seen all year. He didn't struggle. He played well. I like that. I like to see these group of five teams, FCS teams, go out and play against FBS teams. And that's always a good litmus test to see, you know, is there potential for them to be able to go up against these defenses? Bailey Zappi, as I said, in the quarterback evaluation pod, he is very much like Bryce Petty of Baylor University about eight years ago. He has some escapability out of the pocket. Professional bomb dropper. He's just not enough. What worries me even more is the pick itself. Like, what is New England doing? You have undoubtedly your quarterback for at least the next four years. Right? There's a chance Mac Jones doesn't get any better. And if he doesn't get any better than what he is now, the Patriots are definitely drafting a quarterback. But I don't know why they're worried about it now. In such a shallow quarterback class to go out and get Bailey Zappi with the last pick in the fourth round. And I think this is a poor pick on another level because I don't think anyone in the NFL, and I'm not an insider, nor do I have a source, but just based on the resume, based on the film, there's no chance Bailey Zappi is being selected before Sam Howell. I just don't get that. Only one pick in between, but it's like what I'm really getting is that Bailey Zappi was probably going to be there in the late fifth, probably the sixth round. So, so why reach is my question. Why reach when you have so much going against taking a quarterback if you're the New England Patriots? You have Mac Jones. He's like very obviously your starter. You believe in him. He's been the starter since basically day one. Like, why crowd that quarterback room even more? I mean, I guess this means Jarrett Stidham's probably gone, right? The kid out of Baylor and Auburn makes sense. Really didn't amount to much, unfortunately. Kid out of Stephenville, Texas. Brian Hoyer is still there as the true main quarterback backup for Mac Jones. So bringing in Bailey Zappi, that just didn't make sense. Maybe Hoyer's retiring. I'm not really sure. I'm sure they have their reasons, but the reasons are probably never going to be good enough to take this type of quarterback in the fourth round. There are tons of value that you can get at skill positions at that point in the draft. 
I'm going to correct myself. Bailey Zappi was taken 137th overall near the end of the fourth round. Sam Howell was taken at 144th overall, the first pick in the fifth round. So it was closer to like seven picks away. Regardless, there's, there's so much value that could have been taken instead of Bailey Zappi and then taking Zappi in the sixth if you really liked him. Here are a few names that, to me, are just better football players, better prospects at their respective positions than Bailey Zappi. The first one to go right after Zappi, Calvin Austin, the five foot nine gadget wide receiver out of Memphis. Isaiah Likely, the dynamic tight end who ended up going to the Ravens. They got their second tight end of the draft. Khalil Shakur, the wide receiver out of Boise State, kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Cole Beasley, Dante Pettis type player. Like, are these home run picks? No, absolutely not. But you need at least three wide receivers, right? You have Myers, who's a day three receiver, who's returning some investment back in for your team, but he's not amazing. I don't think Myers is someone that you have to re-sign for a second contract. Nikhil Harry, that was a project you took three years ago, obviously hasn't panned out. Like You need wide receivers to surround Mac Jones. Wait, who do you have? Kendrick Bourne? Nikhil Harry? Jacoby Myers? I mean, it just didn't make sense. Tyler Algier went after him. But I know New England doesn't need a running back, but they took Pierre Strong anyway. But it's like Tariq Woolen, right? Not the cleanest tape as far as for a defensive back or a cornerback. But New England showed that they truly care about speed. They truly care about testing. They traded up to get Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. And he was far from having amazing tape to trade up and take him in the second. Tariq Woolen... Similar in that way, you know, he won his money at the NFL Combine, didn't have the cleanest tape, yet instead they took a quarterback that's probably never going to see the field for them because I think Mac Jones is that man for them. It just, it just felt like a waste of a pick. I'm not saying Bailey Zappi's horrible. I'm saying that Mac Jones is so much better, so much more established. With the New England Patriots, it just didn't make sense to spend a fourth-round pick on Bailey Zappi. I just, I just don't understand that pick. As I mentioned earlier, Sam Howell taking in the first pick of the fifth round. This pick I absolutely love. And of course, there's some bias there. I had Sam Howell quarterback three for us. He's the most balanced quarterback out of this entire class, able to make most of the throws, the strongest rusher in this entire class. This guy seeks contact as a rusher. He has no problem calling his own number at the goal line to rush it in for a touchdown. He doesn't have the prototypical quarterback traits that you like to see at the NFL level, but he has the ability to play on Sundays as a quarterback. Like, no doubt, he's got it. He showed that he was productive for more than one year at UNC, even after losing an amazing class of skill positions like Deami Brown, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, all to the draft last year, and still had a productive year at UNC this past season. You know who wasn't productive for more than one year? Our quarterback won, Kenny Pickett. That's our biggest concern. Is Kenny Pickett a one-year wonder? We're about to find out. Sam Howell proved that he could do it with different personnel, different years, and he continued to get better. The bad news is that I believe Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders truly believe in Carson Wentz. 
just like how the Panthers went out and got their guy, I feel like the Commanders really went out, got Carson Wentz, paid him. I think he's on a two- to three-year deal. But to me, that's plenty of enough time. Sam Howell is not ready to go out there and play for you. He's not. He's the most balanced. Yes, I get it. He's versatile. Like I said, he can run. He can pass. He doesn't read progressions very well. Accuracy is not bad. Adjusted completion percentage, just under 70%. He's probably not going to see the field for two years. And if he does, you know, we're going to see a lot of him in the preseason. That's the fun part about these guys is, like, particularly Pickett. You know, all these guys, all of them have a starter in front of them already. None of them have a clear path to starting week one. Not a single one of them. That means we're going to see a lot of them in the preseason. We need to see them tear it up. I mean, they need to be killing second-string defenses during the preseason. So I'm excited to see Sam Howell in the preseason, see what he can do. It's very hard for a quarterback to make it out of the fifth round. There's not very many of them. Here's a list of quarterbacks since 2012 who were drafted at any time but have played in the league since 2012 as a fifth-round pick or later. Here are the list of quarterbacks that have more than 1,000 pass attempts. Tom Brady, of course, right? He's the, he's the absolute outlier. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor. As you can see, it's already starting to get ugly. Trevor Simeon. Last one, Matt Castle, Detroit Lions. The one that just missed the cut, Garner Minshew, you know, selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's it. I mean, the rest of the list is even uglier. Matt Hasselback, Brett Hundley, Jeff Driscoll, Zach Mettenberger, A.J. McCarron, Derek Anderson, Brandon Allen, Ryan Lindley, T.J. Gates. I mean, there's no reason to go any further. It's really difficult to succeed, even play, see the field as a fifth-round picker later. I hate that for Sam Howell because I, I think what he did at UNC in his film, I, I think his ability as a passer is way better than a fifth-round pick. Unfortunately, he's fighting up against history here. Just to give you some perspective on how I view this quarterback class, last year in 2021, we had Trevor Lawrence go one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We had number two overall, Zach Wilson, go to the New York Jets. Then Trey Lance, the 49ers, traded up to get their guy at number three overall. The fourth quarterback off the board, Justin Fields out of Ohio State to the Bears at 11. Mac Jones, the fifth quarterback off the board at 15th overall. If Lawrence was in this class, he's QB1. That's easy. If Wilson was in this class, he's QB1. That's easy. If Trey Lance was in this class, mm, it's starting to get a little close. If Justin Fields was in this class, he's QB1. If Mac Jones is in this class for 2022, he's QB1. So, yes, this is a very shallow class. I still believe Kenny Pickett has a chance to be the face of the Pittsburgh franchise. And he has all the weapons to really do it. The defense is pretty good, too, in Pittsburgh. So, I think he's fallen to the right place. 
Desmond Ritter has a lot to work through to really make it. He just has to get past Mariota, but I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the environment. I'm worried about the, the Falcons' staff. I'm worried about who's coaching him. I'm worried about who's he throwing to. Right now, at least they gave him Drake London. Or rather, they gave Drake London Desmond Ritter because they took London eighth overall. But otherwise, besides that, who else? Like Ridley, we know, is not playing this year. But that doesn't mean he's going to come back and play for the Falcons in 2023. That's not promised. Kyle Pitts is there. Drake London is there. We've got a foundation. Can we build an offensive line and let Desmond Ritter cook? That's the question for the Atlanta Falcons. Sadly, my prediction right now is no. You don't take Desmond Ritter 74th overall in the third round if you truly believe that he is your next franchise quarterback. Same thing with Willis. Like, Willis has the upside. I think Willis has a good chance to beat out Tannehill at the end of this season. But again, you're only the 86th overall pick. The Titans are not going to be heated if you don't make it. The Titans are not going to be overly worried if Willis doesn't pan out. Only spend a third-round pick on him. Don't even owe him that much money. Willis has the biggest obstacle in terms of a starting quarterback, but I'm rooting for him. Matt Corral taken at the end of the third round just to wrap this up. You know, he's talented. I wish we had seen Ole Miss do a little bit more for him in terms of the scheme, allowing him to show off his ability as a pocket passer. It's just not there. He's going to have to really prove it to the Carolina front staff. I think that rule is gone. I believe that Sam Darnold will be gone too at the end of this season, unless they somehow turn it around and become a wild card in this division, maybe make the playoffs, but like those chances are slim. Then there's Bailey Zappi. Let's not forget the fourth overall pick that just didn't make sense to the New England Patriots at 137th overall. I don't understand, right? Mac Jones, still there. And then Sam Howell, the last one that we really care about, the last one that really has any shot of a chance at making the field. You know, Carson Wentz is there. I, like I said earlier, I do believe Washington believes in Wentz for at least the next two years. So Sam Howell has a small time frame to show what he's got in practice and then to show it on the field whenever Wentz is gone. But again, not a whole lot of fifth round or later quarterbacks that make it in this league. So we can only wish these quarterbacks the best of luck. But truly, Kenny Pickett is the only one that has the front office supporting him and taking him early. So that way he knows they are just as invested in him as he is in the city of Pittsburgh. I appreciate you all listening in. Next pod is going to be a review on the wide receivers then followed by the running backs. Can't thank you all enough for supporting me and listening here. I'll catch you guys on the next episode.